Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Please be seated. Last October 2nd, I'm sorry, last October 7th, I was scheduled to celebrate and preach here at Epiphany. Unfortunately, however, that Wednesday previous, I received a phone call from my nephew and his wife telling me that my brother Phil was on his deathbed and might not last the week. And so I caught a flight to Abilene, Texas the next day, and Father Scott was called in to take my place. The following evening, my brother went home to be with the Lord. The opening words of today's Old Testament lesson reminded me of that sermon that I did not preach. And therefore, I have adapted it to the lessons for this week because they fit so well. In the opening sentence of our Old Testament lesson, we read, The Lord spoke to Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. This thought is also reinforced by the words of Psalm 71, which we recited. A prayer of King David, now in the sunset of his life, who expresses a lifelong trust in the Lord and prays for continued help from God and protection from his enemies who surround him. In verse 6, David says, I have been sustained by you ever since I was born. From my mother's womb, you have been my strength. My praise shall always be of you. These sentences suggest that God not only knows us from our existence here on earth, he sees us and knows us from a time that takes place well before our birth. And this thought is clearly accept, expressed throughout Scripture. For example, in John 8, Jesus tells us, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. The book of Job, chapter 31, verse 15 asks, Did not he who made me in the womb make him? And did not one fashion us in the womb? Isaiah 44.2 states, Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. And the word Jeshurun is a, pro a poetic name for Israel. And finally, Romans 8.29 reminds us, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. These passages point us to what I believe is an important question that we as Christians should be asking ourselves. Can abortion be considered an acceptable means of birth control? And how do we think Jesus would have addressed this subject? In today's gospel lesson, we read about a woman who was bent over and could not fully straighten up. It would not have been too far a reach to say that in her condition, 
which existed for 18 years, it may have been congenital and thus may have existed from birth. Therefore, she was most likely an 18-year-old when she encountered the Lord. Even with the advances in modern medicine today, in many societies, her disability still might be grounds for the termination of her mother's pregnancy. However, in this lesson that Jesus teaches, this woman is at least as important and valuable as his audience's oxen or donkeys on that Jewish Sabbath day. And it is a fact that for this particular lesson that Jesus was teaching, her existence on that Sabbath day must have been preordained by God. During my marriage to my first wife, Norma, we were faced with the potential issue of a medically recommended abortion when she became pregnant, even while taking birth control pills. Norma, who passed away in 2002, had multiple sclerosis, and her daughters were fearful that any pregnancy might bring about adverse circumstances because her sickness was quickly spreading and progressing. While, however, her Kaiser doctors tried to push us toward an early-term abortion, Norma was willing to stand firm despite any possible exacerbations that her present pregnancy might cause. I stood by her decision, and because of God's help, her pregnancy and her health actually improved for a couple of years, giving her the time to be a mother to her newborn son. Chris has now grown up, married a Biola graduate, and settled in Bend, Oregon. He has been working as an international sales engineer for a computer software company, but today he told me he is about to embark on a new career with a new company where he will open up a new division for a London-based company. His wife, Christy, was accepted into the physician's assistant program at Yale University, where she will be able to take most of her classes online at home while she and Chris continue to raise their two sons. In a New York Times article entitled On Abortion, It's the Bible of Ambiguity, Psalm 139 is presented as a primary argument against abortion. Verses 13 and 14 read, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. In the article, Biola Professor of Christian Ethics, Scott Ray, states, I'd summarize Psalm 139 as suggesting that in the womb, from the very first point of conception, is God at work. Thus, I find it unimaginable that given the Bible passages stated so far, that God would sanction the taking of a preborn life by abortion just because of one's exercise of a legal right to choose. In researching the so-called arguments for pro-choice stance, most articles cite the fact that abortion is not directly addressed by the Bible. Thus, many pro-choice advocates argue the fact, that fact, and then cite additional biblical passages in which God orders the slaughter of whole cities, including women and their unborn children. However, 
Such arguments ignored the real reasons that God allowed the deaths of those people in the first place. And then there are a multiplicity of New Testament verses where Jesus himself speaks about the special love that he has for children. And before I left for Texas, our New Testament lessons focused on Mark's Gospel, chapter 9 and 10. Chapter 9, beginning at verse 13, reads, And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them. And his disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Verse 36 states, And he, Jesus, took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him up in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Verse 42 then reads, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, parallels the words of Mark, and beginning at verse 15, reads, Now they were bringing even infants to him, to Jesus, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Therefore, one must conclude from these passages that Jesus has a special place in his heart for children. One might also logically surmise that their innocence and their vulnerability requires a special degree of protection and consideration. Furthermore, the warnings that are given in these passages seem to carry substantial penalty and are clearly not to be ignored. Therefore, I am inclined to believe that God values all human life, especially children, and I think that that includes life in the womb as well. All this then leads me to believe that the kingdom of God is described in our epistle lesson for today from the book of Hebrews cannot be ignored. Nor can the words of Jesus Christ, the one who warned them on earth, be disregarded. It is that kingdom, one which cannot be shaken, for which we should strive. And I believe that the Bible teaches us that God's creation of individual human beings does not begin at birth. It begins well before we were formed in the womb of our mothers, when God himself decided to provide for each of us, through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, a place in his kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.